I am here with Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager podcast, and today we're going to talk about uh, some history stuff. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm fine, Caleb. How are you? I'm doing really good. Um, found each other on Reddit, and I found a couple people on Reddit, it's a couple of my guests so far, and I'm always interested in, in what the internet brings to Conversapien um, in our quest to take over the world by just interviewing interesting people. So um, I looked at the history Voyager a bit. You you seem to interview some people, like some PhDs in really interesting areas. I, I know that you got some cryptocurrency interviews. I was listening a little bit to one of them today. Um, and then you've also been covering like the Spanish flu a lot this year since the coronavirus and sort of saying how you think they're related and not related. Um, in the way we've handled it, both as a nation and how the world has just responded to it. So I thought we would basically dive down the coronavirus and the cryptocurrency and the historical hole <laughs> well, together. I'll, I'd love to tie all the threads together, which, believe it or not, there is a tie. Okay. And here we go. Well, let's tie them. Um, <laughs> so I started out, I've, always, I've wanted to do a podcast ever since I had an ACL reconstruction. And yeah. that's when I first started listening to podcasts was during my ACL reconstruction days where, you know, I was had a lot of downtime, essentially. Right. You know, and there's only so many times you want to watch The Sopranos and Game <laughs> right. of Thrones, right? Right. So um, I'm listening to this podcast, and I thought, you know, I can do this. And so I, I get on Twitter um, to boost this Game of Thrones blog I had, like a comedy blog for Game mm. of Thrones I had. And because I have a master's degree in history, so I follow historians and history podcasters and da-da-da. And without telling you who this is into the internet, I got into an argument with a podcaster's wife that I follow on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, okay, you're a smart person, sure, but in this area, you're galactically wrong. <laughs> okay? You're so far wrong, you're almost, you can't even see right. That's kind of a description of like most arguments on the internet. I feel like. I well, feel right, like exactly. <laughs> so from that moment forward, I was thinking I need to do okay. Chucklehead, what what can I? How can I make a podcast? What? How do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> and then I discovered, and then, boom! And I'm one of the. My pod provider tells me I'm one of the biggest podcasts in the world that doesn't have to do with murder or sex. <laughs> so good for me there you go but That's let me tie it together for you okay so i i wanted to do the spanish flu because i went to the doctor and learned that's how i learned what covid was yeah by going to the doctor in last so not this past october like not now mm -hmm. but last year Yes, right. Uh, this had been right about like, with the beginning of it breaking out in China, right? Yeah. It was somewhere around there. So that's how I learned what coronavirus was. Right. And then, um, okay, so I, oh, the Spanish flu. So let me, I, and I remember reading a couple paragraphs about that somewhere in the pit stop of college. I don't remember exactly where, but uh, yeah. okay, let me do that. And then the more I get into it, the more I'm like, oh my God. There are serious similarities between this and COVID. Mm -hmm. Like, serious, scary similarities between this and COVID. And the reason cryptocurrency comes in is through the 
through boosting podcasts, through coming on people's podcasts and telling people about my podcast, I learned I really want to talk to other people. Yeah. Because they're like the primary. I want to create a primary source reservoir. So a primary source is like if you wrote a letter right. and you were talking about COVID in your letter. So that's a primary source. Okay, for history purposes. Right. So that's what these business owner podcasts are, are primary sources for COVID. Mm. Okay. So, so essentially, people, and some of these didn't make the internet. Mm-hmm. And the ones that didn't make the internet, a lot of them would bring up Bitcoin in a certain specific way. And I don't, I didn't know beans about Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to learn what I didn't know right? by having Bernardo on and by having, I had a guy in New Zealand on, on the other side of it. And I had a professor I'm on with on Twitter um, to talk about it. And so that sort of ties together. I hope that ties. Yeah. Sort of how your interest (laughs) threads up. Right. 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 Um, So, I was listening to, and I, I, forgive me, I don't remember his name, but I was listening to the first part of the uh, of the professor that you had on recently. Uh, um, the first one was in the feed. The first one you'll come to is Steve, uh, I think, oh, God, now you got Steve Campbell. Yes, okay, and, sounds right. And the second and, one is Bernardo Lasso. Okay, it wasn't Lasso. It was the, the first one in the feed, so it would have been Campbell. And uh, you guys were to start talking about the idea of like cryptocurrency and, and currency he talks about um his take on the history so if if i'm right he uh basically specializes in i guess the jackson area and andrew jackson era of history and talks about sort of early 1800s pre-war um how the economic system was in the united states and i was very interested by what he said about there being multiple currencies in the U.S. Um, because I had never, I, I don't even know anything about that era at all. Um, but I was wondering if maybe you could, to sort of pad the discussion about cryptocurrency, tell us a little bit about that. So a little bit about the 1800s era? or a little bit Yeah, about, about the 18, and, and this idea where like different banks were issuing different currencies or, or so something what, to that effect. What I could do is... So we're not living in the nineteen in the nineteen hundred. I mean, in the eighteenth or nineteenth century. Right. We're not. We don't today live in the nineteenth century. We and what I mean by that is, of course, we don't. We live in the twenty first century. So where you might have one big city, or one biggish town with one bank in it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you have. If you go down a main road. So I live in one of the largest cities in America. Right. So I can mm-hmm. go down a main road and and come across. God, how many banks? Uh, I don't know, 10, 20, whatever, okay? So imagine if every one of those banks was literally handing out different money, Mm. okay, right? So that's pretty much what we're talking about in terms of if we bring back that 19th century world to today. Yeah. Um, Now, from what all the experts have told me, this is my take on cryptocurrency, okay? All right. I Uh think it's fascinating in the abstract. And I think it's fascinating that that some number greater than zero believes that we can eventually get to a day where where Bitcoin can be viable to take down to McDonald's and buy a Big Mac with. 
But I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. In order for that to happen, big banks are going to have to want to leave the dollar. And that's not going to happen in any foreseeable way that anybody that I've talked to who knows what they're talking about, at least on the academic side, right, uh, sees. Does that kind of... Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. I guess from a logistic perspective, adopting a new system... I mean, yeah. it would you would have to have like a, I guess you would have to have some situation where the dollar completely plummeted and failed well, where before people, it would even okay, work. Okay, like here's a great example that I was think because I knew we were going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Here's an example that actually happened in my own lifetime. I used to know a fellow who was drinking buddies with Denny O'Neill. Do you know who Denny O'Neill was? I don't. I don't know. He he made Wonder Woman. Okay. And and Spider Man. Okay. So he was drinking buddies with Denny O'Neill. Okay, so he had a closet in his house that had, you know, all these Spider-Man and and Wonder Woman comics like in plexiglass, basically. Right. Okay. And when he needed a new car, he would go in the closet and pull out what he thought was enough uh, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman comics and and then go sell them. Okay. (laughs) so but he was selling them for dollars. And that's Mm. the important thing with bitcoin is that he was selling as valuable as this was at one time he was selling them for dollars he's not going to the i guess the nissan dealership <laughs> with like some wonder woman from the 40s or whatever and right and trading it <laughs> Do you, but that's the analogy that's sure okay <laughs> sure so the analogy being that like people are <laughs> more or less trying to do that with Bitcoin? No, the analogy being that bit in order for money, I mean, money is valuable. Okay, things are valuable because they're translatable to dollars. Yes. All right, so if, you see what I'm saying? See, right, so you're saying Bitcoin basically gets its value from being translated to dollars, not, not or the that British it itself. Pound or, yeah, not that it itself has power in itself right now well well it does because you could trade somebody okay you could trade somebody bitcoin for a pizza because somebody did that in 2010 Mm. and that's how bitcoin established a value Hmm. but that's for a pizza that's not for a house right right you're not going to be you know eventually as soon as you have to tie into the mainstream financial situation somebody somewhere down the line today is going to want dollars right okay (laughs) Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Okay. But let me ask you this, that that this is something that to me seems like a more realistic and you you may disagree, but a more realistic idea of what the future may look like for currency. Um I don't really think that Bitcoin or the cryptos will take over the world like a lot of their proponents swear by. But I have wondered if cash, especially in the United States, is on its way out. Do you have any insights into into that or have you thought about that? Like are we moving progressively more to cards and and our own crypto dollars if that makes any sense digital u.s dollars uh yes and i think we've been doing that for a while right i think we've been doing that for a long while um i can see you you can't see me how how old old a man are you i'm 28 okay all right so for the purposes of this conversation we're not quite the same age but no (laughs) you know in a hundred years from now we'll, we'll be seen as peers uh-huh, 200 okay. years from now, we'll be seeing these peers. So, 
my generation, like, you know, my generation, I remember I had the same, I had, I've had the same money in my wallet, the same bills in my wallet in some cases for years. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. For years and years where, you know, I whip my cards out all literally all the time. Yeah. And that's what I think we're, we're headed towards right now. Do you think that digital access, the card accessibility is like contributing to more consumerism because it is so just swipe, 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 swipe. I think so. And I also think that, um, the concept of when you, when push comes to shove, you really don't have to have like when push comes to shove, you really, really don't have to pay everything off at the end of the month. Like Mm. you can't, you can actually carry over. Right. You know, and I remember saying this years ago and, and the person I said it to got it twisted and didn't didn't understand what I mean. What I mean is what I what I said was if we had a situation where you ha- where the money you had on your credit cards was the money you had, so you couldn't carry a balance over to the next month. Mm-hmm. I said I think we I said I think we'd have bread riots in the streets in a matter of months. Hmm. You know, but because we're able to carry over from month to month, I think that basically keeps everything kind of on an even keel, so to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to think. I I try to avoid credit cards because I've had my own like run-ins with the devil on those, but um, in my life at this point. But um, just the amount of uh, that's kind of the whole point of of credit, right? That it gives us an opportunity to spend money that we don't necessarily have right now. Yeah, and it also, in a way, I, I, I really think it unlocks the economy. I mean, I'm not an economist yeah. by training, but I, I think in a, in, a very, in a very real way, it unlocks the economy in a, in, a, in, a, in a very, very real way, so to say. Yeah, and, and I'm not, I am less of an economist than you are, but <laughs> I think everyone kind of understands that, you know, it, it sort of, takes money to make money to, to use the cliche but when people are spending um that's generally a good thing I, I you're the guy that is more of a historical buff than than i am for sure but from what i understand part of the problem that led to the great depression was fear and like withholding and selling and trying to like tighten up right actually it's fascinating what led one of the main things that led to the great recession i mean you talking about the great recession or the great depression uh, the depression. Okay, the th- one of the main things that led to the depression was actually banks, as a business decision, decided it's oh, we get better return on our money by throwing money at, at businesses rather hmm. than farmers, and so they would they basically quit lending to farmers, hmm. essentially, and then also you had like the Dust Bowl, yeah, that sort of brought it home. Okay, kind of sort of brought it home. But also you had people were buying stocks on credit. Um, if you learn nothing else from me being on your show, don't buy stocks on credit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because everybody thought the stock market was going to go up. Yeah. Like forever. And kind of like, um, so I was a, uh, I wrote on a small paper during the Great Recession, or before the Great Recession actually. Mm-hmm. And I accident, and this is, I'm not bragging here, I'm just saying, yeah. I'm the first person that I know that I read 
that said, there's something coming over the hill. <laughs> and uh-huh. we call it the Great Recession today. Okay. But I was looking at these, basically these condos, and it was just insane that, you know, you, you'd meet people. Oh, no, no. How's home values always go up? And I'd be like, why? What's the underlying? <laughs> Talk to me like I'm five and tell me yeah. why they always go up. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you could explain, um, I'm just going to let you give me a history lesson here. <laughs> okay. So when the Great Recession happened, I was uh, probably a sophomore in high school, I guess. What oh. was that, 2007, <sighs> eight, nine? Well, okay, the, so I was writing as an entertainment reporter uh, yeah. on a small paper uh, in 05, 06. Yeah. And I just would notice, um, so I'm coming out of this theater, and there's these condos literally uh, in the same development. And I'm just noticing you, you come out at a certain hour, um, and the only, the people coming out of theater with you are are locals like they're go, they're going across the road. Yeah. They're not going out of town. They're going across the road. So what you would notice is you would see these really young people, like really really young folks going into these huge overpriced condos. And one day I I basically stopped this young lady and asked her like what's going on with like what's happening. And she said, "Well, the bank was paying her money." to basically inhabit this condo hmm. and her father apparently there was some story i don't remember all of it right now but there was some like her her dad was like hey um figure out what you are for tax purposes and so hmm. she found out that she was some sort of contract employee with the bank or something and so i come into the the, the newspaper the next day or, or actually later that day <laughs> and i say you wouldn't believe the story that just sort of hit me upside the head. Yeah. And I laid it out for them, and, and you know, they say, eh, no, it's not going to happen. Stop it. <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. But they let me, you know, this is your hobby horse. So for the next year, I would just go around, interview people. You know, while I was reviewing movies and stuff, I would... That's what I did, but I was really just sort of more like, hey, let's find out about what's going on here. Yeah. And if you've ever seen that show, The Big Short, have you ever seen Never the movie seen The Big Short? I haven't. Darn it. I'm <laughs> so, sorry. I'm ruining your analogies. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's not an analogy. It's actually real. That's that's mm. that's true. That really happened uh, to me, except not in Miami, but like where I live in metro atlanta that just sub out alligators for your know, wolves mm. <laughs> that really happened where you you go into these neighborhoods and it'd be like there wouldn't be any people there and the doors would be open and you know you hear the television going yeah. i'll never forget it there was you could actually go down the road in these subdivisions and you could hear sports center from espn you could hear sports center on the TV as you're going down the road, but the doors are open and the garage is open. There's no cars there. And I'm just like, Oh my God, their cable is still good. (laughs) Like that. They left 
and yeah. the cable's still current. Yeah. So what um to try and understand like what led to the to the house market crash. I don't know if I really understand and I don't I mean I know you're not an economist. I'm not an economist. I'll tell you what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um cuz I was like I said I was a teenager so it's like what do I really what did I really buying, understand of? not people much. People buying houses they couldn't afford. Mm. And people people buying houses they couldn't afford and people essentially there was this thought with a lot of people that you were just going to keep being promoted. Mm-hmm. A lot of It'd people really endless. had this thought, like you're just going to keep being promoted, so you'll grow into the house. Essentially, you'll. Yeah. In fact, that's actually a thing. That's actually a thing they would say, like you'll grow into the house. And I before this was even a that's thing. That's a scary remember, idea. <laughs> before this was even a thing, I remember looking at people being like, "Why? <laughs> like, no, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna stop. Why can't that be you?" Right. That's a horrific <laughs> idea that you would grow into the house. Well, it is now. <laughs> it is, yeah. I guess speaking as like a millennial, we kind of <laughs> grow up not thinking that we'll have a house anytime soon. So for me, I'm like, there's no way I could. Th- <laughs> well, right. No that's, way. There's a conundrum of like the when you study the Vietnam War to to bust out another historical sure. analogy. When you study the Vietnam War, you look at it on the other side of the Vietnam War. And you're going, why in the he- why in the heck didn't they see that the Vietnam War was terrible? And then you have to stop about a couple of months into your studies and realize the reason they didn't see it is mm. because we're on the other side of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The Vietnam War was this massive life lesson that we got that they didn't get. Yeah. Because they, they hadn't on- had it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah, and this is something you, you talk about on one of your episodes about the idea of like moving knowledge and and as like from a historical perspective looking back how what we understand is kind of constantly reinforming what's going what we on. think happened. It almost is changing the past in a way. That's exactly which is what so happens. So interesting. The past actually does change and if you don't know that then go go to college. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, from a pragmatic perspective, yeah, it does. Because it's like all you have are the accounts. So you get new accounts or a new interpretation of the accounts. And suddenly right. they're not what it's not what we all thought it was. And I, and I say, like I say in my podcast, uh, one of the episodes, I say that one of the scariest things about the Spanish flu was something that I never would like if I had done this podcast in 2019. So if I'd done this podcast in January 2019. I would have blazed right over the scariest part of the, the Spanish flu, mm. which was the Spanish flu went away. Mm. The Spanish flu was not treated effectively. It No government intervention really helped it. Uh, there was medicine, but it's highly debatable as to whether or not the medicine actually worked. Huh. Um, it just disappeared. Do we and, understand why? Well, uh, let me let me get into it. Um, okay, please. So, so before some point in the 2010s, right? Everybody believed it was everybody, from the head of the CDC to your grandma mm-hmm. to everybody, believed what the Spanish flu was 
was H1N1, which mm. went insane, okay? And then in the 2010s, at some point in the 2010s, there was an outbreak of, let me remember, I'm going to say the Black Death, but it might not have been the Black Death, but so... If one of your listeners hits you over the head, hey, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'll direct them to you. <laughs> uh, it might have been. It was something that it was something that we, people used to have like, yeah. way back in the day. Okay. And what they noticed was, and it was the first time this had broken out in what, what we want to call a first world country. Sure. With access to hospitals and yada yada. All right. Yeah. And what everybody dealing with it noticed was, oh, my God, it's just like the 1500s. Like the symptomology, the 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 look of the people, everything It's just like the 1500s. Okay, right. And so everybody was kind of going. Was it the flu? Was the Spanish flu the flu? I don't know. You know, Hmm. maybe, maybe. And then, okay, so, all right, so in the 19, at some point, I forget right now when it was, um, the federal government said to this fella, said to a doctor who was basically the Spanish flu czar, essentially there was a guy in the government who appointed himself the Spanish flu czar, Yeah. okay, he basically went up to Truman and said, hi, I want to be the Spanish flu czar. And Truman, who'd had all these people in his life die of the Spanish flu, was all great. Yeah. Fantastic. Shut up and let me pay you. Now, do do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so he issued a report in the 50s. And the report came back, and the report was classified. And they declassified it, I believe, under Bush, the second Bush. Hmm. Bush the second, uh, W. Yeah. Um. So they declassified it. And what the report said was that the Spanish flu antibodies had shown up in the Midwest in 1900, from 1900 to in the 20s, in the 1920s. Mm. So, and that jibes with, there's a doctor whose name is Loring Milner. He was writing, he was writing letters to Harvard. And yes. he, he was saying that Hey kids, there's this there's a thing and it's killing people. It's killing entire towns. It's killing whole farmsteads. Whole whole community, you know, a farmstead back then was like an extended family huddled around a house. Yeah. Essentially. So it's killing whole farmsteads here. So what the hey, you know, what's going on? Right. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. You mentioned on there that uh and you mentioned on there that the symptoms are really nothing flu-like. For that particular, for his letters, they were like yeah, people were having more, like their faces were turning bloodshot and exactly. they were having seizures and crazy stuff. Exactly. So when Loring Milner was encountering the flu, or what we call the Spanish we flu, call flu, right? Um, it wasn't really flu-like at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a, a thinking person in 2020 has to look at this and think: Was this the flu? Was it not the flu? And one of the clues that it might not be the flu was, we have H1N1 today. Yeah. Okay? One of the things I'm going to say in my podcast, I haven't made the last episode yet, is I was diagnosed with H1N1 when Mm -hmm. I was, I've had it twice in my life, 
the first time was bad, but I could walk under my own power. I could, you know, but I, I'll never forget the doctor looking at me in the face, like looking me right in the face and being all like, young man, you take this medicine and you take every last pill in this bottle. Mm-hmm. Do not quit taking this medicine. Okay, now I know, I know now why he was saying that. I know what he wasn't telling me was, I think this is the Spanish flu. <laughs> mm. Huh. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, and that's also the sickest I've ever been. And that, I, I don't remember when it was, but it was like the sickest I've ever been. Yeah. That I can recall. So, uh, the response is a as a like nation to H1N1 versus our response now, I think one thing you really have driven home, at least in the, I mean, I didn't get to hear all your episodes, but in the ones I were kind of looking through is that like, we're talking about two different eras and we're talking about the Spanish flu. We are talking about the farmstead America in, in many ways. And nowadays we've kind of lived through this golden age America so how are, how are those two societies, those two pictures of America different in how it's affected our approach to both pandemics? Thank you for asking me this question. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, Anytime. <laughs> Glad um, to. Okay. I'll just lay it out for you. Okay. I have, I've been studying the history of my hometown for 13 years, uh-huh. both as a demographer and sort of a journalist and also, I have a master's in history, okay? So I'm right. not a medical expert at all, all right? right. Um, I, I have picked up some medical experts along the way because I've spent so long in college as, mm. as friends and acquaintances, all right? I know more about COVID-19 than the number one expert on earth knew about the Spanish flu in mm. 1919. And all mm. I have is friends and acquaintances and Google. Okay. That's yeah. one difference. That's a main yeah. difference. Yeah. And, and if I can say it, use your words that from, from what I was listening to earlier, you mentioned this in one of your episodes, you say, you know, if you're a person alive right now, you don't even have to like be an expert in anything. You're probably more scientifically literate than, or one of the most scientifically literate people that's ever lived. If you look at the, all of human totality. And certainly more exactly. than somebody in a hundred years ago. If you're sitting, here's here's what I would say. If you're sitting with a with a what we call a smartphone in your pocket, yeah, and you have Google, you have the potential to be one of the most tech, um, scientifically literate humans alive. Yeah, it it is astounding to me how, and I know this term is thrown around a lot in 2020 so i'm gonna say it differently okay okay i'm gonna say it in a different context it is astounding to me how racist Mm. people were in 1918 like Mm -hmm. it is astounding it would be astounding to anyone today sure that for example you could think that a german human was different from a english human like they were two different biological entities right essentially so like if a german human got this whatever that is 
you're it's up for debate with you whether or not you know a British human could get that. Yeah, because <laughs> they're like two different, almost two different species. <laughs> well, this is what's so funny about like so. So I teach Spanish, so I've studied. I have a master's in Spanish, and so I've studied a lot of the history of the Americas and. Um, and you mentioned Columbus too in in that same episode I was listening to, but yeah, when 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 he came over, one thing you mentioned and that we know is that he was really on the fence on, as to whether or not the Taínos or the Indians that he ran into were even humans. <laughs> exactly like that's the level and... to, of of racism. You know, we talk about racism today. We're I think we're more worried about ideas about systematic racism, things like that, or and black very, versus white, black or... versus white. It's very American. But there is an era not that long ago where, like, people are wondering if that person is even human at all. (laughs) Well, right. And it wasn't even, I mean, I forget his name, but the, I'm a big baseball fan. Uh, The the manager of the Phillies, I think it was the Phillies. I don't mean to throw the Phillies under the bus, (laughs) but let's, I think it was the manager of the Phillies. He could throw them under the bus as well. He, um. (laughs) He was on the fence as to whether or not Jackie Robinson was a human. <laughs> literally. Okay? Literally. For real. Yeah. And I have uncles that are that are that old or older. Yeah. I, in time. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's how. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I am from Alabama. I'm sitting in Alabama right now. I grew up in Alabama. All my family's from there. You know, we don't have to step back too far to see how black people were treated as totally subclass human beings in the in the South under Jim Crow. I mean, the idea that we can't even like drink the same water, use the same restrooms, go to the same restaurants. Those are ideas that were ingrained in the culture and what people believed. That's exactly right. I mean, you know. And it's amazing to me. So, I remember, um, I remember there was a a moment in two thousand eight. I'm never gonna forget this as long as I live. I was I was in Atlanta then. I I'm, I live in Metro Atlanta now, but I was living in the city then. Yeah. And uh, I was taking the train somewhere, and there was this old lady, old black lady. Mm-hmm. And she was in the back of the train, and she was absolutely sobbing. Mm-hmm. And the thing that hit, even like the some bigwig with the McCain campaign was on the train with us, mm-hmm. and it even hit him. I mean, it hit everybody. Yeah. That this is, oh my God. <laughs> it was amazing. You know, yeah, yeah. It's wild. <laughs> it is wild. Didn't mean to bring the temperature down. Or no, what? it's it's <laughs> fine. But when we're talking about, you know, you're talking about, we're talking about yeah. the two different Americas. One that faces the Spanish flu, and one that faces the coronavirus. And, and you know, it's, other, that's an interesting. Uh, here's aspect. another difference between the Spanish flu and the um. Corona, okay. Yeah. Here's, a, here's a major difference. So in history, you can you can go to college, learn history, and you learn about something called the Billy Migration. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what the Billy Migration was, I, 
and I, I say is because I argue that it's still going on. Mm-hmm. I would argue with anybody that it's still continuing today. But what the Billy migration was, was Appalachian people. And again, this isn't my term for it. This is a historical term, right? This is a yeah. thing. Okay. Heel bellies. Well, and, and I'm one of them, so it's okay. You can't hear it in my voice, <laughs> but my my mother's from the mountains and, and yeah. my dad's from below, from just north of Macon. Yeah. So okay, yeah. you can't hear it in my voice, but I'm just about as hillbilly as you. Yeah. There you go. Just about <laughs> it. So I'm I'm just saying, okay? Sure. Like that's just what they call it. Sure. So what it was was these people in the mountains, they would come out of the mountains and they would go to the cities, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of these people uh they were living away from mom and dad for the first time maybe in the history of their family. Mm-hmm. Okay? So a lot of these especially men might not have known how to how to not that they didn't know how to bathe themselves, but they wouldn't have known how to, how to you know, wash their clothes or dry their clothes properly right. and things like that, okay? Right. All right. So there's a lot of thought that you could have gone to Philadelphia, which, believe it or not, then was a big beneficiary of the, of the Billy migration because mm. you've got the Appalachians. Okay, and that's one of the reasons why Philly was hit so hard by the Spanish flu. Hmm. Um, they people believe, but I don't know if you've heard it. But the the biggest hit American city they now think was San Francisco. Mm, no, I haven't. I haven't heard that. San Francisco. Well, I don't really know anything about it, to be fair. But well, <laughs> so that doesn't mean much. I did a whole podcast about it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco was nailed by something that took place while the Spanish flu was going on. So modern folks think it was the Spanish flu, mm. even though they didn't have too many. Okay, and that's another. Okay, that's another important thing that I want to talk about with coronavirus. Yeah. So, Caleb, mm-hmm. the way to get coronavirus is to go to a doctor and to have the doctor tell you that you had coronavirus. So therefore, mm-hmm. you're marked down as a coronavirus person. Yeah. So there's people running around now or not running around who are dead that or whatever, right? Yeah. Who didn't go to the doctor and get marked down as a coronavirus person. Right. So they're not coronavirus people. Hmm. Okay, so there's there's Spanish flu deaths that modern folks look at. Oh, that was a Spanish flu death. Hmm. But see they were in a town where the doctor might have thought, well, um, okay, so the in in San Francisco is the opposite of what you would think. So in San Francisco, they thought that Chinese people couldn't get the Spanish flu. Right, because right. they're different. They're different people. Obviously, obviously. <laughs> right. right. They're different human beings. a different, maybe a different species even <laughs> in that time. Who knows? Right, exactly, exactly. Right, right. Right. Or like, okay, so there's a county north of me in Georgia that was nailed, absolutely nailed by something yeah it wasn't the spanish flu because they didn't go to the doctor and get diagnosed with the spanish flu but you can't you can't find somebody that doesn't have a distinct mountain twang yeah that doesn't sit there and go yeah my granny died of the spanish flu yeah huh okay even though there's not a on a death certificate per se right but you know 
Right. I mean, just the ability to record is different. Or just because, you know, people grow up here and so-and-so, the Spanish sure. flu killed them. Right. Sure. You know. Um, I, I haven't looked so much in the Spanish flu just from a little bit what, hearing what you've said about it. But do you know if the political response as far as we live in a society that heavily politicizes everything nowadays uh was it was it a politicized thing in in 1918 or do you know it wasn't politicized along the lines like some people might think of democrat and republican sure it was politicized in that uh i'm okay i know you heard dead air there and you can't see me but uh, I'm trying to think about the other definition of the word uh, political. Like it was politicized in that some people at the top, so even Woodrow Wilson, yeah, um, did not believe that good white Protestant Anglo-Saxon folks could get the Spanish flu. Naturally. <laughs> Naturally. Right? Okay. <laughs> and And a lot of people in Europe, you know. Yeah. And one of the reasons, here's what's fascinating. Um. So today, modern folks think the Spanish flu came out of Kansas. Mm. Why isn't it called the Kansas flu? It's a good question. <laughs> okay. It's not called the Kansas flu because it was recorded first by some by a scientist who was adjacent to the, the, sci the medical scientist apparatus as this is going on in Europe. Uh. So the reality of the situation was for decades, people thought it happened first in either France or mm. Spain or England. But because there was a, there was literally a renovation to the, um, to the Harvard Medical School where they found this guy's letters, mm -hmm. the Loring Milner, they found his letters. And depending on how he wrote a number, it was either in 15 or 17. Like, they yeah. have the letter, that they can read the letter, but they can't read either the five or the seven. Right. <laughs> either way, it wasn't 18. <laughs> well, right. But, and even then, like, then you realize he's the only doctor for hundreds of square miles. Yes. So God knows what it was, you know, God yeah. only knows how long that thing was knocking around, seriously. For sure. Um, for sure. For sure. But no, it was politicized in terms of ethnic ethnic uh, origins, and mm. like there were a lot of black people that simply were not diagnosed as having anything because they, you know, they didn't go to the doctor, and mm -hmm. and that happened in Boston, where the head of basically the Boston what t today we would call the Boston Public Health, essentially Board of Health, was on record as believing that that only blacks could get um spanish flu so why does he need to worry about it oops yeah. he died of the spanish flu uh, <laughs> good <laughs> that's one of those where you're like you yep that's what you get man <laughs> yeah no, he didn't he didn't even he didn't know he was black that whole time <laughs> well i mean you know and and look way to we can out. laugh about this but the fact that okay you and i can laugh about this but the fact yeah. is um, and I don't know how political you want to get, but, you know, there was a super spreader event in Washington, D.C., and it's becoming apparent that 
members of a muckety-muck, muckety-muck members of a certain political party firmly believe that they were immune to COVID-19. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> we can laugh about 1918, but that's my yeah. point, is that right. it's going on today. Right, it just looks, maybe has different cultural regalia around it, or yeah, different... Exactly, you know, how, how advanced are we really... How how far advanced are we really from that, honestly, yeah. is my question. Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask you, this is the cliche question that um, history teachers... Um, and I mean, you having a master's in history, you might as well be a history teacher, even if it's not what you do professionally. Um, the idea where we, we, we say all the time, you know, kids, we're learning history because history repeats itself. Like, um, is that, I know that seems cliche, but it's really, it really, what am I trying to say? I think the value of teaching history is lost a little bit, speaking as a teacher, because it gets bogged down in worksheets and dry PowerPoints. Um, and that becomes a cliche that we don't actually investigate further, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. And can I pretty please tell you my philosophy of history, my whole Sure, philosophy? yes. <laughs> tell me your entire philosophy of history. I love oh, that. my God. Get some popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so when I was going to school, when I first went to school, I went to film school. Yeah. And I weirdly was given a roommate who was very interested in human evolution. And we are friends to this day. Mm -hmm. And I would lie on our bunk. I would lie on my bottom bunk and he would lie on his top bunk. And he would tell me about human evolution and how humans evolve from something akin to a chimpanzee or an ape or whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The point is, is that this sort of infused how I later thought of history. Uh -huh. Really, we're just descended from this amazingly adaptable creature that couldn't stand other creatures of its ilk that ate the wrong mango, hmm. right? They get in fight, you know, chimpanzees get in fights because you're eating the wrong mango. Not that you're eating their mango, but, you know, doofus, we eat this mango over here, and you're one of those right. other mango eaters. No, no, go away. We're, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Sounds right. kind of so, familiar. <laughs> at, you know, we are basically this incredibly adaptable creature, which mm. when you take our brain and put it under a scanner, I forget the kind of scanner, but there's a scanner where you can literally see, like, we are the best predator ever made, but we have the digestive system akin to a rabbit. So, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh -huh. So, we're like, we're this amazing predator who, who really, in nature, should be dead by the time we're 40. <laughs> right? Okay? I mean, I don't yeah. know if you know this, but wash, but boiling water ended up, lengthening lifespans 20 years wow <laughs> I, I hadn't heard that exactly but it doesn't surprise me i mean you get rid of diphtheria i'm guessing and well a lot when of other you, stuff i did this project um where i um i did this project where i had to look at death certificates okay and what you would notice is that it basically people would start living longer in gross lots like yeah. it wasn't one person at a time it was literally like a leap 
like a whole huge cohort would just leap forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So strange boiling. Well, it makes total sense. I mean, okay. I'll give you an example. In the sixties, they used to ask you how often, uh, how often do you drink in a week? Like yeah. in a day. Okay. Now they ask you how often do you drink in a week? And right now they ask you know they don't even ask you sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we're like we're we're decre- believe it or not we're decreasing our alcohol consumption, hmm. and we're also decreasing our tobacco consumption. So these two things combined with the fact that we should be eating less red meat, you know we're going to end up you know living longer, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. And mm. it makes sense when you think about it is like you're. You know, your neighbors don't do it as much or whatever, right? Right. Okay. Right. So, like, your entire community winds up living. reflecting that in their age. Living longer. Or in exactly. Their, yeah, exactly. Or, mm-hmm. like, you can, go into the, you can go into the hills in Kentucky and you can meet people that are my age that have all their friends died when they were 30. Mm. Yeah. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're doing the same. <laughs> well... That comes to mind in that area. I mean, and there's some parts of Appalachia where, gosh, it's like you feed your baby Mountain Dew more or less. I mean, <laughs> which is not oh my god, not I, that much of a stretch. <laughs> I used to know a guy that by Mountain Dew you mean you mean um, moonshine, right? Not not the soda. Yeah, uh-huh. not, the, <laughs> not, <laughs> not the cola. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah. So your philosophy of history, so so in that sense, you look at history as a um, it, along out, an evolutionary line, an like outgrowth the, of, the history of biological people through time, biological sure. beings over time, and the biological being I'm looking at is the greatest predator ever devised. It's the greatest yeah. predator ever evolved, who should be eating rabbit food, who isn't, who is descended from a creature that kills other creatures that eat the wrong mango. So you're kind of looking at a contradiction. <laughs> well, sort of. In some ways. I mean. A, a sort of contradictory, crazy human being. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, and you see that over and over again. I mean, like you see it, there's a famous case of Stalin. Um, so Joseph Stalin, um, mm-hmm. one of the great killers in human history. Yep. His little girl broke her arm. And he was absolutely apoplectic. He was beside himself with grief mm. for weeks and weeks. He was inconsolable because his baby girl <laughs> broke her arm. Right. <laughs> there's a famous story about that. Okay? Yeah. Right? That's the kind of thing that, you know. Yeah. It's like, how many people did this guy kill? <laughs> <laughs> or how many people's deaths, you know, were led to by him and his and, regime? And his advisors, I mean, his advisors, even at the time, would write it in their diary. Like, they would. You know, that's how we know about it. Right. Yeah. Oh my God! This, this, oh, he's killing millions of people, and this one kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and yeah. I mean, that's kind of the the predator with the rabbit digestive tract, I guess. Right. 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 Exactly. Um, and you know, everybody's got everybody's humanity. got this one person that one little hair on their head gets harmed, and right. It's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> is there any uh anything that comes to mind to you in your investigations of history 
um, that kind of you think are maybe totally mistold? I mean, you know, the, there's the cliche history oh. is written by the victors, which is not necessarily a cliche. It's only cliche because we say it, but we know it's mostly true. Um, are there any like oh any my big God. things there, that come to mind? There's so many things that come yeah, to mind. Yeah, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. Um, I mean, Christopher Columbus is, comes to mind immediately from a from the from what we were talking about earlier. But I, I think most people now are starting to understand the the well, his story maybe a little bit better. I'm just trying to. I mean, okay, God, there's so many. Um, the way we talk about social change as an educational concept is wrong. Hmm. It's completely wrong. That's mm. one thing. How so? Um, okay, we've done it now. We've done that now. We've not. We can knock off doing this. You know, <laughs> yeah. we've given these people the vote. We can knock off doing that and yeah, and worry about shrinking down a cell phone or yeah. whatever. Or okay, here's one. Here's one that that. Uh, okay. The fact that progress is forward, the fact that you can go forward in time, just because you go forward in time means you go forward in progress, means you go forward in technology and consciousness and, and all yeah. that other stuff. I mean, that's one thing that, I mean, you look at like, okay, I'll give you an example in this country. Okay. Um, so right now in this country, I forget the exact number, but we have the the second or third biggest economy on earth, mm-hmm. and a huge portion of that economy is essentially in about 150 counties. Mm-hmm. Like a huge portion of that economy is in 150 counties. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the counties in this country, I think I read recently, like half of the counties in this country don't even have a grocery store. Hmm. Or they have one grocery store. They have one or fewer grocery stores. That's it. Hmm. Okay. All right. And, like, it's it's literally to the point where in 20 or 30 or 40 years, there's going to be states that are essentially emptying out. Hmm. You know. And the reason why is, so, one of the things about the Homo sapien is the Homo sapien is incredibly adaptable. So if the Homo sapien says, I need I need a job. Yeah. Because I'm not, you know, you can't club a gazelle, you know, you can't <laughs> right. You can't <laughs> right. go so you've got to get a job. So where are these jobs? They're here. Okay, let's yeah. go here. And Right. And you're not gonna stay out in the in Podunk. Exactly. And yeah. And also too Let's not leave them behind. I mean, the people that stay out there, they're adapting and they're changing. And and so what you have is you have this um, basically like an, a, a group of folks that that um, they're not close to. Um, let me let me say this in a, a, a political as a political way as possible. OK, um, so that we can understand what I'm saying. Like, OK. When you say the earth is changing, when you say we're getting warmer yeah, and, and this, right, you can be somebody in an office and you can think, well, we can just get 
um, somebody in a city or whatever. And you, okay, well, that, that happens because reason, reason, reason that I went to school for. And my buddy, you know, he's a climate scientist. So sure, great. I believe him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Um, you know, and so let's let's do that because reason, reason, reason. But then you go out in the country and they don't have the same internet speed, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't know the same kind. They might not be aware of the same sorts of stuff. Yeah. Right? So you're like, they're like, no, well, that they said that 30 years ago and and this and that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so whatever. I mean, so you, you get that kind of setup where, you know, certain people think voting a certain way makes you insufferable and... Yeah. And there's actually, that's a sentence I hear all the time when I call around to America that people say, well, I, you know, I don't necessarily want to fight them, but I don't want to be a, in a country with them anymore. Yeah. I mean, I hear that sentence all the time. Yeah. And you'll hear that from people of both pers- both political persuasion. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's like everybody's just out there. <laughs> yes, sir. And that's why they want to go to Bitcoin. What they perceive as the other side, right? And that's why they want to go to Bitcoin. And the, mm. so that's why I... I interviewed Lazo and and um, Campbell mm. because I didn't know what I knew about Bitcoin was I didn't know anything about yeah <laughs> about it, so yeah, that's a good thing to know about something <laughs> it's a starting point yeah yeah mm. um right so but I think one big thing that that we don't teach America that we should teach Americans that we don't. Well, we teach Americans, but we teach them at a much higher level is the way the Roman Empire actually ended is vastly different from how we think it ended. That's interesting. And what I mean by that and the reason why it the reason why this is important in daily American life is that our country was modeled deliberately on the Roman Republic. Hmm. Okay, deliberately. So they set up a situation where accidentally we might very well end the way the Roman Empire actually ended. Hmm, Yeah. But see, we're not geeked up for that. We're geeked up for the way Hollywood tells us it ended. Hmm. (laughs) How? So what is the conventional understanding that's taught? And then what is the actual or where's the evidence pointing to now? The, the way that Hollywood teaches us and the way that if you were to stop the man on the street or the woman on the street, hey, how did the Roman Empire end it? Well, if they know what the Roman Empire was, um, yeah. they might tell you the way it ended was the, the Visigoths invaded Rome. Yeah. Okay. And that did happen. And that was a key factor in the end of the Roman Empire. But it's not how the Roman Empire ended. Mm-hmm. The way it ended was... Nowadays, there's a fascinating thought. Do you remember when I talked about moving knowledge? Mm-hmm. So if, if you're at the very beginning from a, Western, from a Western Eurasia perspective, if you're at the very beginning of civilization, of, of what you would call urban civilization, there's mm-hmm. nowhere to look back to to think, what did they do, right? Yeah. right. How did this happen? <clears throat> what lesson did we have? So... What happened was um, Rome got super complicated. It got way too complicated for anybody to manage, okay? 
And all it really would take would be a, an emperor or three or four that was really bad. Mm-hmm. And also for people to say, you know what? No, I don't want to send the gold to Rome. I, I, I want to pull the gold out of the ground. And yeah. instead of sending it to Rome, wait a minute, brainwave. I can, <laughs> I, well, no, oh, hang on. I can mint it myself. Yeah. And it, yes, I'll do boom. Right. <laughs> right. And that is essentially over a long period of time what happened. Mm. And that's what I'm afraid of. And I use the word mm. afraid. I, I'm not afraid of it. But that's what I'm saying might happen to us. Yeah. That we well, that, might, I, we yeah. might say, you know what? No. I have more in common with these Michiganders and these Southern Canadians. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you're in Michigan, right? I have more in common with these Michiganders and these Southern Canadians right. than I do with these chuckleheads that live in New York City or whatever, right? right? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because you have – well, I guess from what I understand, if just to sort of uh, summarize my understanding of what you're saying, like the Roman Empire, we think that it's – we often think is an invasion. Really, it's that – their power, I guess, probably was a bit overextended, and the people were like, "Well, screw you guys! I'll just they, do it myself." So they it's never like if we really have... had. Um, what they did was they replicated the Roman city government, yeah, over and over yeah. again. So they didn't yeah. really have. Um, they didn't actually have anything beyond basically, a, a, to use a technical ter- technical term, a higgledy piggledy. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have a lot of, like, federal oversight, I guess. Well, and there was, but it was residing in one person. There wasn't, yeah. like, um, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it right, was all right, in right. one person. Right. But, I mean, you look at today where, and the fact is, like, this took hundreds of years. Okay? This yeah. took a while. So you look today at, you've got people that are that are with people that, they're 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 in relationships with people who their other cousins or their aunts and uncles might not approve of. Yeah. So they don't turn up at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, eventually over over a long enough period of time, you know, I have this theory that our language is gonna change. Yeah. Because you're gonna get more Spanish and more Chinese and say sí. Me parece. <laughs> it's <laughs> una posibilidad. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying? Like Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Right, right, right. No, and and I'll tell you something that's interesting to me, and this kind of is a tangent, and then I want to return, but I don't want to throw us off too much. But from a linguistic perspective, um, it's I'm I'm curious what mass publication and the internet is going to do to to uh, to language evolution over time. So that's one thing that I don't see existing, um, not to the degree that it does now in the past. And I'm, I've I've wondered a lot if if our evolution will actually be hindered linguistically by the fact that everyone is constantly communally, you know, across the world using English and Chinese for the most part um, on these devices or even Spanish, whatever they're doing. That I'm curious if the internet will sort of standardize things in a way that they that it hasn't happened in the past. But I don't know. You know I'm, what I'm, I'm not really a linguist. You know what I really wonder about for yeah. real is I wonder about, like, if you get, like, people, 
like say like what we're doing where I can see you and if I had a camera you'd be able to see me. <laughs> yeah. You're a beautiful purple square right now with a red well, right. light. <laughs> well, I had a conversation last weekend with a fellow in Indonesia or in um New Zealand. Yeah. Like across the globe. Yeah. Right? And what happens when that becomes more accepted and, and more right whatever and you know and I mean you'll see on my Facebook I mean I've got a Winnipeg Jets hat on in my Facebook mm-hmm. picture and that you know and I've actually you know I'm on Twitter with those with the the media team of the Jets or at least I was until they unfriended me but yeah, whatever <laughs> but I was on Twitter with them and so I'm able to talk to them and I'm able to care about a team that's thousands of miles from my bed sure sure you know I mean I wonder about that yeah the implications are are very interesting of just how internet has changed and maybe will change and i think we'll probably look back at it and have some kind of name for it i mean we'll have to like i don't know if it'll be called the internet revolution well and and we're in a revolution i mean look we're in a revolution right now i mean you're talking to somebody that i'm i think i'm the 108th most listened to documentary podcast in the world Mm -hmm. i mean i'm just the guy in a back bedroom and i'm talking to you about and you know, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, we're. I mean, okay. Before the pandemic, I saw these two people, these four people, two adults and two kids, in a mall. And you could look at the kids, and you could tell that somebody related to these two people, if not they themselves, had had these two kids. Yeah. Okay. And what was amazing was that the adults were communicating with each other using Google Translate. Hmm. But the kids were bilingual. <laughs> yeah. Were effortlessly bilingual. Yes. And the, the adults looked at me because they're switching. You know, the kids are gibbering away in Spanish or yeah, yeah. whatever. And I'm just like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And then they're gibbering away in English. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, and uh, they were like, oh, my God, that's amazing. You know, like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> right. But yeah, and I'm curious. It is really interesting what you bring up, though, about the Roman Empire. Because if we think about the political divide today, which man, I, well, and I'll I don't you, understand how it could get much worse. But you put that across geographical lines, which is something I think you may have sort of been alluding to with the rural and and the urban shift. I'll then tell you it how does powerful. Really the, interesting. I'll tell you how powerful the Roman Empire really was, for real. Mm-hmm. The Roman Empire could make people. They could make ethnic groups they could decide Mm. you're an ethnic group and they could Mm. literally force you to breed with other people that they then decided were in your ethnic group interesting and the way how how does how does that happen the way it happens here uh you cut it you say like okay these people can't mix with these people yeah like or like you know these people are the okay these people are the Celts, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, this is who the Celts are. So all mm-hmm. the Celts are kind of zoned off and cordoned off and, you know, so they're Celtic folks, all right? Mm-hmm. And where you really see that is there's a group of folks called the Germani. Okay. And the Germani were, okay, so, and this is very much up for historical debate, but... The Romans had a very interesting... Um, 
I want to be careful how I say this. They they were they had a very let's put it this way. Uh, if you were the t history, the best historical understanding of, of the Roman sexuality is that um, the Romans didn't bat for team heterosexual or team, I guess, homosexual. They yeah they sort of saw it as like. Uh, uh, basically a line, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. and it was socially acceptable for Romans to be interested into in young men, mm -hmm. in very young men, boys. Mm. Okay, well, the Germani were like, "Oh, that's that. No, 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 no. Sorry, no, nope. Right, not doing that." <laughs> and so the Romans were like, "You're the Germani," and the and the Germani were like. <laughs> And the Germani were like, hell yeah, we're the Germani. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you better believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so even those, like, cultural differences in values, they kind of yeah. make the outgroups or form the in-groups and the outgroups. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, and everybody else the Romans encountered, for the most part, because they were so powerful, were willing to sort of play along. Yeah. But not the Germani. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. And here's what's fascinating. And this is my favorite thing in history. So there was a fellow named Alaric. Mm -hmm. And Alaric was amazing. By any, by any stretch of anybody's imagination, Alaric did some amazing things. He basically, um, his kid was kidnapped by the Romans. Okay. Mm -hmm. And very quickly after he realized his kid was kidnapped, he ran into one of the only literate people that he could have possibly run into. <laughs> and this guy was like, hey, I'm going to go catch the Romans and, and maybe burn their city down. Do you want to come? <laughs> and he was like, and the other guy was like, well, hell, I'm not doing anything today. <laughs> or maybe for the next several years. Why not? Yeah. You know, so <laughs> basically, like, there was a, a massive... So every time, like, Alaric would bump into a, uh, a village, he, he would do, like, a test. If he, there was a condiment that the Romans would eat. Yeah. And then if he could find that condiment, he decided, this is a Roman village, so I'm going to burn it to the ground. Wow. And if he didn't find the condiment, they're not Romans, I'm going to ask them, I'm going to tell them what I want to do, and I'm going to ask them if they want to come. And a lot of people, now here's what's amazing. A lot of people were like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But here's the crazy thing. So the map of the Roman Empire, at least part of that map, mm. we base that on where Alaric went. Hmm. <laughs> okay, like... So, so he kind of helped find out. He, he found mapped it with the condiments for us. <laughs> that's... You heard the phrase, know them by the smell? Yeah. <laughs> That's what he said that. Alaric said huh. that. I'll know them by the smell. Wow. Okay. And some historians think that they might have hit, he might have hit Rome with about 200,000 uh, men, wow. soldiers. So a lot of people voting no on Rome. A lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It reminds me of the Aztecs and the, all their enemies they made across, I guess, what's now Mexico and North America. Yeah. 
but uh, uh yeah well crazy I, I never knew that about hunting people down i'm just like in my head imagining hunting down people with ketchup <laughs> and, and that's that's the problem with history is that you teach it to children so there's a lot about history that you don't yeah. really you don't want to tell kids that the reason right. why okay you guys with the blue eyes and the blonde hair and the fair skin like the reason y'all didn't like the roman empire the reason like your people didn't like the roman empire too much was because the romans were into were into boys right right <laughs> Yeah, and and I mean, there's even, I think there's some aspects like studying, like Latin American history in particular. There's also aspects that, especially if we think about the Cold War and the U.S.'s action in the South America and in Latin America, you know, we did some uh, some things that we're not proud of, and we don't teach those things. Like right? what, so, for example? Well, um, one thing that is maybe less than great. <laughs> well, I think is that less than great is, um, you know, we took Salvador Allende's presidency down more or less by the CIA. Who was that? In Pretend I he don't was, know anything about South okay. America. Salvador Allende was a president. He was elected president of Chile. Um, but he was, he ran on a socialist platform. So he was, to my mind, maybe even to this date, the only president ever that's been elected democratically who called themselves a socialist um, in any country. uh, What about, um, I'm trying to remember, uh, the guy in Venezuela, but go ahead. Yeah, but he, I'm not sure he was elected. Well, it was a little bit rigged, I think. But maybe, um, Chavez, I think you're you're thinking of, and then Maduro after him. Okay. But so, so, um, Allende was elected, and the CIA instantly started... Um, shutting up, stopping them from getting any um, access to business to basically choke them out because of socialism, right? Because we had a problem with with communism. Um, <clears throat> because we thought that it was basically like the Russians were kind of winning if he was elected. And then we more or less sponsored the coup and helped out in the early 70s that wound up putting Pinochet in power. So there's an example of us acting and winding up putting someone who went down in history as an awful dictator that threw people into water by the masses and killed them um, for their political beliefs. So that's something that you won't necessarily learn, or at least I didn't, and maybe for good reason, because I wasn't studying Latin American history in high school, but that's not something that we teach a lot in in our schools if that makes sense is is i guess what i'm kind of getting at it's sort of a less than becoming picture of united states's involvement in other countries yeah i mean right um well but yeah i mean I here's know. something that that you don't that i didn't learn about until actually i when did i learn about that let me i learned about it in in the latter stages of my master's program yeah um the Communist Party in this country was actually a force that won elections. Hmm. And there was a whole cohort of people uh, basically ending with George H.W. Bush who had very lived experience with... Like, it'd be, um, imagine like if Al-Qaeda could win elections in America. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Like, seriously. I mean, that's what we're... Th- that's where a lot of this anti-communist fervor comes from in this yeah 
in this country. It, you know, and they there there would be terrorist movements of of communist people. And hmm. by the time you get to Nixon, a lot of these communist folks were basically as American as Apple. I mean, they sounded American. They, yeah, you know, they might have had German parents or Polish parents, whatever, but grandparents. But they were Americans. But I did right. want to talk for right. before we. I, yeah, I did want to talk before we go. Uh, just a. Mm-hmm. Uh, Modern people um, with the Spanish flu. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard the final, the first episode or not. I haven't, no. Um, so one of the things I want to drive home to all of your listeners to, to a, from a human to a barstool mm-hmm. is in the analogy of COVID and the Spanish flu. If COVID, if we are in 1918 with the Spanish flu, Right. So if this is like 1918, then I totally think we overblew it. We overshot the mark, you know. But if it's like 1900, um, we're doing the right thing by trying to button up and all like that. They now modern folks now believe I think the the biggest number I've seen is half a billion people died from the Spanish flu. Hmm either because of it directly or because somebody else either killed them or, you know, murdered them or they starved to death or what have you. Yeah. Um, it literally changed the gene pool of the world. Wow. <laughs> when you take out half a billion people, you're going to change the gene pool. Sure. Um... But that's that's the main thing I want to talk I want to say is that that and I think it's causing a lot of stress on people mm-hmm. in in weird ways. I mean, I want to release a podcast where I where I I'm I'm going to call it something like things they don't want me to say, like things that people say like you can't ever say I said this. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like there was one story in particular there was a woman who uh, real early in the pandemic, her story was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Because mm-hmm. they they didn't know. Like, they they didn't know what it was. And they had their, their mayor die and, like, the chief of police die. and Wow. I mean, you know. I mean, and they, I mean, they had the Google and all that, but they, you know, they... It was like January. It was uh, December, January. I mean, it wasn't January. It was. It was. There was a point where they saw the president said it was a hoax, and yeah. they knew it wasn't a hoax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like they met, but they had to meet as a town, yeah. and decide that the president, basically, like it's not a hoax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, crazy stuff. Yeah. So do you think when you say um, if it's not if it's 1918 we've sort of overshot the mark, but if it's earlier, maybe there's some uh, maybe there's some hope. Do you think that we are you hopeful that it's not 1918 that it's still you know 1915 1917 we can uh, get a handle on this? Uh, I no, I hope it is 1918. Oh, you hope it is. I hope it is because that means this is as bad as it's going to get. 
Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. sorry, I miss. If it's as bad as if it's as bad as it's going to get, we totally overshot the mark. Oh, I see what you're saying. Now I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you hope it is. Oh, my bad. I completely misunderstood. <laughs> no, no. But you I, hope it is. You hope we're we're basically this is where we're done. I hope but if I, it's earlier than if it's if it's when when Loring Milner if it's like when right. Loring Milner was writing those those letters from Kansas right. to to the people and and if it's that I'm I'm actually. I have nightmares about that. Like literally, I have nightmares where he's taking me in his little cart, and yeah. he's taking me around the Kansas and showing me everything. Mm. I have night. I'll be honest with you. I have nightmares about that. Mm. I mean, I, you know, yeah. But um, I I hope that um, I really hope because first of all, the antibodies only last about three or four months. Uh-huh. To COVID, they only last about three or four months. Um, second, uh, there's things that we're learning. There's things that the experts are learning about this all the time. Um, that then they, the weirdest thing in the world is when all these experts started tweeting sports journalists. Hmm. I don't know if you remember that or aware of that, but. For a long while there, the experts were tweeting sports journalists, and sports journalists would retweet it hmm. because, like, the president or whoever was saying, it's a hoax, don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. But um, I I hope that we get a vaccine and that it'll last for longer than four months each time yeah. you take it. Yeah. But if that's true, if that holds out to be true... Uh, this world is going to change in, in massive ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm right there with you. I hope it's 1918 myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, <laughs> they had people. I mean, one of the weird things about the flu was the Spanish flu. Yeah. Was about 10 or so years after they would get the Spanish flu or 20 years after people started having uh, the shakes. Hmm. So that's weird. Yeah, right. Kind of like now where COVID gives people heart attacks. Yeah, there's been so many. I, I haven't kept up recently because I'm just, there's some point where I get exhausted trying to figure out what, <laughs> I mean, there's the lung damage, there's the this, there's the that. There's so many things and it's such a mysterious and it's, multi-symptom it's... disease. People, I know I have a coworker who, got it and like her hair is now falling out she's she's been over it for a couple months but that's happening so like there's obviously some crazy things it can do to your immune system and, and, and now they think knows? uh now they think somebody they think you can carry covid like you can you can have it get over it be pronounced well but you can carry it and give it to people mm, weird uh, i mean it's it, it's so terrifying um, yeah it's just and you know I mean, when you talk to people in the concert business, they're they're saying like 2022 at the earliest. Holy moly! Yeah, right. That's crazy. That's. Uh, I mean. That's crazy, but I, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Things have not, and and that's a thing that I've worried. I kind of was worried about earlier this spring was that I really felt like people, I really felt like we were going to as a nation think. And continue thinking that this would be a season similar to like the flu season or something or allergies 
but then it would just still be here and still be here. And that's what I feel like we're at right now where it's already like, it's still here and then it's still here. Right. It's still here. And and then it's still here. (laughs) One of the things I worry about, one of the things I, I worry about for real is that what if they don't, I mean, AIDS, Mm-hmm. There's now an AIDS vaccine. A- AIDS is what forty something. Years? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It took a long time. I mean, yeah. I mean, no. I'm that's that's one. Um, another one is like, um, I I wonder if the restaurant business is going to survive this. Yeah. Well, so many have had to shut their doors over it already. I mean, right. And it's only going to stay, I mean, especially in big cities where there's more heavy lockdowns because of population. How do those places stay open at all? I I live in one of the, I think it's like per capita, um, one of the biggest eat out places in the whole country per capita. And it's really, when you really look at it, I mean, when the pandemic was getting rolling, one of the things that you would hear, at least around here, would be like, one of the problems is we're vastly underserved with uh, grocery stores to begin with, mm. to start. And then because people are just supposed to eat out, you're just supposed yeah. to eat. Right. You know? <laughs> just like a part of what's established. When, when you go down the road, when you come out of here and you go down the main road away from me in the morning, you see all these cars at all these yeah. fast food places. I mean, tons and tons of them and you think well you know i don't know like i'm sh- my cousin's a pizza delivery man yeah and my cousin uh talks about he's known people for 20 something years that he sees twice a day mm, delivering wow. pizza wow he he, he said ben, he said ben i've got customers i've seen for 20 something years twice a day wow. six days a week whoa <laughs> I'm like, I was like, that's they're that. gonna die, man. <laughs> I'm like, that's not even knowing where your, that's not knowing how to cook, that's not knowing where your stove is. That's crazy. <laughs> Every day, wow. Every day, twice a day. Holy moly! That's God have mercy on their cholesterol. I mean, and their their arteries. Right. Wow, that's wild, man. I don't. I, it also doesn't really like. It's not so far fetched. I can. I can definitely believe that. But it still is utterly crazy. <laughs> well, I have a friend who says everybody's twenty one until they're not. Like everybody mm. thinks they're twenty one until the until they're dying. Kind of taps them <laughs> yeah. on the shoulder and says, "Hey, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's a pretty good quote. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right." Well, Ben, um, we've been going about close to a little while, <laughs> an hour and a half. So, uh, hour and a half ish. So, um, I'm gonna we'll wrap things up here. But uh, thanks for coming on and talking. We kind of went down some different rabbit holes, but you know, uh, I'm always down for down for rabbit holes, man. I, I'd and, love to come back, and I'm gonna yeah, do and, uh, season two of the History Voyager. I'm gonna yeah. wrap up the History Voyager um, before the election. Yeah, I promise. That's to me, not to you. And what I'm gonna do season two is gonna be the enlightenment. Okay, interesting. So we'll see. We'll we'll all be uh yeah waiting to see what that is. Uh so everybody if you're listening, check out the History Voyager on 
Well, I, I check it out on Apple Podcasts, but you can find it anywhere else. Podbean, I imagine it's on I'm gonna Spotify leave a link. and everywhere. I'm going to give you a link in the description. Sure. Yeah, um, so I'll put it in the show notes so you can find it Yeah. Um, in the notes of the show, in the description. I'd, I'd love to come back at some point. And... Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll hit you up. Yeah, um, we'll yeah. be hitting a season two probably around the start of next year or so. No, um, it, oh, for you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. probably somewhere around there. Um, so we'll get you back on here and jump down some weird historical rabbit holes again. Absolutely love to do it. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. Um, thank you everybody for listening. You can hear the sound of our smooth jazz slowly creeping in. (laughs) (laughs) I will see you all next Monday. Have a great one. Goodbye.